0: Welcome back to another episode of A Gift from Adversity. My name is Jay love I'm your host. Thank you so much for tuning in and watching another episode, listening to another A Gift from Adversity. Today, uh, I have an exciting guest from Portland, Oregon. And her name is Janine Gates. Before I introduce her to the show, I want to introduce my book, which is A Gift from Adversity, the same title. As this podcast, the subtitle is Overcoming Sexual Abuse, Domestic Violence, Bullying, and Homelessness. And this is my life, and this is my book that I published in 2020, which became Amazon number one new release in three categories. It's available on Amazon. You want to grab a copy? After I published my book, I've gotten a lot of feedbacks, and then a lot of people reached out to me and then told me they're also the victim of sexual abuse domestic violence, and homelessness, and I was very shocked to hear so many people going through the adversities and then sharing their tools and a gift that had been very much of my inspiration and healing process, so I always wanted to create a platform where people can talk about adversity without the stigma and talk about the tools, so today I'm very excited to have Jenny, and let's invite her. Hi, Janine. Hi, how are you? Good. Thank you so much for being here tonight. Thanks for having me. It was
1: so awesome to hear about your book and congrats on your success.
0: Exciting. You. Yes, absolutely. So Janine, can you please tell our audience who you are and what you do?
1: Yes, I'm a mindset coach who helps women of faith break generational curses and live a the life they desire. My goal is to ensure women are free and live the life that they want versus what someone else is telling them.
0: So your voice kind of cut out a little bit. If you can repeat that again, that would be great.
1: Yeah. My name is Janine Gates. I am a mindset coach who helps women of faith break generational curses and live the life they desire. My goal is to ensure women are living a life based on what they want and not what what their parents are saying society is telling them. So I coach them through setting boundaries, stop people pleasing and gain confidence so that when they make these decisions that they truly want, they are confident in that and not worried about what
0: someone else is going to tell them they should be doing. That's very empowering. Uh, What is your website or social media that people can follow and find? Yes, you can follow me at in Janine Gates on Instagram.
1: That's where I am primarily. So one more time, E, N as in Nancy, and then Janine Gates.
0: Well, thank you very much. So Janine, let's um, tell our audience this is a live, Facebook live and YouTube live. So if anyone has questions for Janine or I, please feel free to type on the comment section. So let's dive into our topic, which is the adversity. So can you tell our audience, what was your adversity? It's interesting because I was looking at the title
1: of your book. I was like, I don't remember telling her that I had sexual abuse, bullying and houselessness, but I have experienced those things. But the biggest adversity for me that made me hit rock bottom and get into this work was I had a very toxic relationship with my biological mother. And I went into foster care at the age of 10 and statistically foster children do not age out and do well. And I was one of those statistics when I aged out, I went with my biological mother and started hanging out with her. And because I didn't have boundaries and I was a people pleaser, I got into some legal trouble with her and got a criminal record and went to jail for 50 days and had to do community service and had a big debt from that. That's to me, one of the biggest adversities that I had to endure. Adversities.
0: So I... You know, it just like um, heavy, heavy, heavy sentences that you just shared with us. Now, let's go back to how you end up being in a foster home. Why?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I ended up in a foster home because my biological mother was physically abusive. That's why we went into care. Um, And then she had um, some mental health and drug and alcohol addictions. And while that's very unfortunate i'm not going to excuse that behavior she was also a foster child so it's generations of foster children in our biological family but yeah that's why i went in
0: where was your father
1: i do not know who my biological father is
0: so she had 100 custody of you yes until i was 10. and how did how did they find out? How did how how did you find out? How did people find out that you were in abusive situation? Did you argue for yourself, or somebody found that you were abused? Someone found out. Um,
1: I try not to share that story as much because it's a sibling story. Um, but um, someone found out from our school, and I'm very thankful that the sibling told the truth. Because when I was at at the time, I lied. I didn't say that I was physically abused, even though I was, because. I was taught what happens in this house stays in this house, meaning that you don't tell your family's secrets. And so I didn't, but a school our school found out.
0: So you had like a maybe bruise or like some scars or something?
1: Um, so they didn't see the bruises on me. They saw something on a sibling.
0: Oh, okay. Wow. That is really tough situation. But I'm I'm actually glad that somebody found out and reported and you were able to get removed from the situation yes if not that would have continued and damaged you more oh absolutely
1: i if i would have stayed with my biological mother i know for certain i wouldn't be in this position that i am in today I might be working towards it, but I feel like foster care and finding a really good family helped me really with life I desire versus me struggling and living a way that I didn't um, I didn't relate to and I never wanted for my life. Even when I was young, I knew that I wanted a lot and things that I'd never seen. Like I remember writing a paper when I was 10 years old and in my paper I said I wanted a husband, two kids, two cars. I had never seen that lifestyle, so I don't even know where that idea came from. But I also knew that I was going to have this very healthy, robust life, and I was going to make it. But if I did not go into foster care, I don't think I would have made it as quickly as I have, and I wouldn't have had this success early on.
0: So, just to share with you and with our audience, my case is or was when I was um, between eight to thirteen, I was heavily sexually, physically, verbally, emotionally, in every corner, abused by my father. But nobody advocated or there was not so much advocacy in like in Japan in the 80s in small town, where he was an official town official, where he had a lot of control on the politics, where he manipulated the teacher that I was a traitor, I was wrong, like, you know, bad girl, when I was trying to le- move from him. And I moved myself out from him when I was 13 because it was escalating every day and I didn't think I would survive. And had I had that kind of accuracy service or DCF type of agency, mm-hmm. that my life definitely would have been completely different. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah, I'm Sorry. Yes. Thank you. So that's why I decided to write a book and then make this uh, platform because I don't want anyone to go through that. And then I think as you speak out as well, the audience should know there is a help and no abuse should be tolerated regardless from your parent or like, you know, family members. It's not okay. Yes.
1: And I appreciate us being vulnerable with our stories and honest because it does allow people to know you're not alone. This stuff is not very unique. It's very unfortunate how many children, women are abused. It happens and you have women to lean on and that want to support you to ensure that you don't continue to receive abuse that you you don't need in your life. Like life can be so beautiful.
0: I cannot agree more. So then when you aged out from the DCF, like in the foster care, did you have a choice to live with somebody else or alone? Why did you go back to your mom?
1: So when I was 18, so my story is really interesting because at 18, you can age out or they can keep you on to your 21. At 18, I was attending college in Atlanta, Georgia, and I didn't have, at this time when I was in a relationship with my biological mother, I was still in foster care and she just, she was very pushy and we were arguing all the time because I was telling her no, that I wouldn't sign up to be her caregiver. And then um, to shut her up, I was like, okay, I can do it while I'm home. But when I leave for college, I need to cancel this. I can't do that because I'm not in the state. And she didn't cancel it as I thought she did. And she was still receiving funds in my name and signing my signature. And so that was happening. Then I was like I was 19 and I couldn't go back to my foster mother. So I went to another foster home while in the midst of college. So I'm going to college in Atlanta, coming to Portland, living with an entire new family. Um, and I met this woman, that's my adopted mom from my high school. And I was just visiting with her and I was telling her what was going on. And she was like, come live with me. And I was like, no, I actually want to go back to my home. Like I want my foster mother to keep me. I'm not looking to move. And I'm not a person who likes to move. I moved, I went to 11 different schools by the time I was in high school. And so the idea of me having to move again didn't sit well with me, but my foster mother wasn't willing to take me in. And so I had to find another home and I ended up in the home that I'm in now, which is the biggest blessing that I could have ever received um, because my my adoptive mom is just phenomenal and I love her so dearly. And she also was with me when I was going through my criminal record experience and very instrumental in me not suiciding.
0: So do you do you feel comfortable? What happened for the criminal time like the, like what happened to you? Yeah.
1: Um, it was a long process. I had I talked to an investigator and I will just say like you hear, I don't know if people hear this comment, but you hear in TV shows. People say, I'm not talking to you unless I have my lawyer. You might want to follow that advice. I did Mm. not because I was like, I'm innocent. I didn't commit a crime. So I'm gonna tell you everything you need to know. I'm gonna give you my fake statements. And so I did all of that. And looking back, I'm not gonna say if I can change anything, it happened. Um, And my biological mother threw me under the bus and said that I was fully aware of what was going on, which is not true. And someone had to be charged and my biological mother comes across as mentally ill and she knows how to play the system. And I'm not mentally ill. And I got a criminal record, my first one, my only one. And part of the plea deal was me spending 50 days in jail and 140 hours of community service, $12,000 in debt, and having a misdemeanor theft on my record. And so one thing that is just I guess you can say that was kind through this experience that they didn't make me spend the 50 days in jail all at once because I was still in college in Atlanta. So they allowed me to spend, to chunk it up. I did 25 days and 25 days. And what was really devastating about this experience because I did really believe that I was innocent, I did not commit a crime, was the investigator sending a warrant for my arrest to my college, which means the system is looking for you and they will come pick you up anywhere they can. And I felt devastated that you would do that when I had been very, I had been very, uh, I had cooperated with them from the jump. Like the day they contacted me, I had always responded and answered every question they had. And so for you to send this warrant to my college as if I wasn't going to participate in whatever process you had it was devastating. I mean, I was very depressed. I, I'm so surprised that I'm still alive. Like I, there were times I actually thought about how do I suicide? I remember Googling how to suicide. Um, and I would also pray. Like I would cry and be on my hands and knees praying, asking God for a second chance because I didn't work this hard to get 18 years old to go to the number one historical black college and university to spend so many years um, raising money for foster care children, raising money for big brothers and big sisters. Just this, I was a workaholic and I was working really hard for success. And so for me to work this hard and then at 20 years old, I think I was 20 when I got this criminal record, I just felt devastated. Did I work this hard to go to jail? it broke my heart. It really broke my heart. Yeah. It took a long time to heal. I did stop talking to my biological mother for a while. It's hard for me to carry hate around. So I have forgiven her and I have tried to have relationships with her. And I don't want to say it's impossible, but it's very difficult and we don't have a relationship right now. And I yeah. won't say it's because of the criminal record that we don't have a relationship. It's because of her lack of of ability to be in a relationship with someone and learn how to cope in different ways
0: than the ways that she was taught. So Janine, I am absolutely sorry for what had happened to you and what you have to endure. And then I'm so humbled and grateful that you came on my show and then shared this adversity with audience. It's just unimaginable pain, unimaginable event that I can't even, like, put my mind around it. Mm-hmm. Now, let's actually shift our conversation to tools that you use to overcome. And I really appreciate this conversation because all of my, you are my episode 31, by the way. And all of my guests had shared unique tools to overcome, not just going to the therapy. I had a guest, Kelly, uh, who had, five miscarriages due to lupus and she went to the rage room where you can break things like and i found that in massachusetts where i live and i went with my son and it was very very powerful experience to break these glasses and bottles and half an hour so what was the tools that you used to overcome this adversity that worked for you
1: For me, it was um, thankfully I was in school. So I did use school as a way to um, distract myself, but I also knew that I really needed healing. And I had um, a person in my life who I was seeing weekly and had asked me before I was charged, um, she said something like, when are you gonna find your authentic self? And like, essentially I didn't know who I was and I could not be offended by that because I knew it was true. And so I went on this journey of self-discovery. And for me, that meant I needed to heal from past trauma. I needed to forgive and to figure out this new identity. And in that process, I had to start dating myself. I will never forget when I had um, some friends over and they had asked me, what do I enjoy doing? And I list the same three things multiple times. And that's because I didn't have an identity outside of my professional life. I was so busy chasing success that I didn't have a life. And I started taking myself out on dates. I started figuring out what it was I liked. And then I also started doing things that I just enjoyed. Not worried about what someone was going to say about me. Not worried about a reputation. um, That was drilled in me to be concerned about my reputation. And another thing for me that really worked is when I was going through this experience, I would look in the mirror and say positive things about myself and I would dance. And I was constantly feeding myself positivity. Those were the biggest things, like the weekly coaching that I was receiving, the dating myself, the positive affirmations. Um, I started eating good for my body. I started working out. I just went on a new woman tour And for me, that was great. And that was nice to start surrounding myself around people who truly believed in me and spoke life over me. I was very fragile and I didn't need anyone to say anything that was negative or that could take me off this path of healing. So I was very intentional with my time and how I lived my life. I would challenge myself with workouts. I think it was like PX90 or something like some wild workout by a guy named Sean. I can't remember the official name, but I would do that. Like, I just was challenging myself, but it was in a way that was making me stronger, but more of Janine versus this fragile person who didn't know herself, who didn't have boundaries. Um, and I, the, the gift in the transformation, positive affirmations and dancing in a mirror has on women is Phenomenal. I tell every woman that she should do that. Even if you think you don't can't dance, just dance, dance to speak life of yourself and tell yourself how beautiful, intelligent, powerful, strong, unstoppable you are. You say that every day, you'll start believing it. I didn't think I was beautiful for a long time. I didn't, no one told me I was beautiful until I was at college. And when I first heard that, I didn't even believe it. And then when I was looking at mine in the mirror, I was like, you're so gorgeous. Look at you. You have a mole. I have a um, mole, I think. Is, is it this eye? Yeah, this eye. I have a mole right there. And I was just like, look at that beautiful mole. You have, you're so gorgeous. You're so curvy. I would just speak life over myself. And now I am extremely confident. I think I am very gorgeous.
0: I know I'm very gorgeous. And I think every woman needs that. That is very powerful, and then I can relate to you when somebody told me I'm beautiful or whatever. Like I just never felt it because of the abuse. And I model, I act. I mean, like Netflix movie. Like, oh. I, <laughs> you know. And I, I work for the Marvel Studios, and then I just never believed in myself, and then felt beautiful. So I appreciate you sharing that. What is it to take yourself to a date? Yes, it's
1: going to the movies by yourself. It's going out to eat by yourself. It was me doing anything I wanted to do. Um, I would go on walks by myself. I would take myself to the river. I did a lot of things alone and I encourage all my clients to do that. And people struggle with being in public alone. Like they think someone's gonna look at me. Someone's gonna wonder what I'm doing. Am I lonely? Am I afraid? Or what's, whatever they these people think. And my thing is, when you have had so much outside influence telling you who you are, if you go on dates and do outings with other people, you're going to still have this outside influence telling you what's fun and what's not fun, where you need to do this alone so that you, for yourself, can determine mm-hmm. what is and is not fun. And so that was extremely important for me to do because I didn't know what I enjoyed. Like, I only can list three things. That's Pitiful. Pitiful. I, I needed more activity. I needed more of me. I need to be learn how to be a well-rounded person. I am a very serious person. I'm not as serious as I used to be, but I was groomed by a foster parent to be a workaholic and to please the dominant culture. I was taught to straighten my hair all the time. I was taught to speak proper English. I was taught that I needed to be skinny. I was taught all these things that were the opposite of how I was created. And for me, because I was constantly being something I'm not, I didn't know who I was. And we always have people telling us who we are and how we should be. And I needed to step away from that and spend time alone to determine my own identity. I always talk about your life, your roles, and it's very important that every woman writes the rules of her life. This is, you get one life.
0: How do you want to live it? I would say we are running out of time. So we need to ask you a last question, which is a gift that came from it.
1: The gift that came from it is freedom. I have freedom. I I feel so grateful and thankful for this life that I get to live. And while the criminal record was hard, it was a hard two to three years. I think the investigation process was two years. And then the jail time took another year. The community service took a year. So I think it was like a three-year process. And that was so tough, so tough. And I remember telling my mom, adopted mom, When I was going through this, I told her, you know, it's a blessing in disguise. It's hard to say. How how is someone gonna say going to jail is a blessing in disguise? However, I really needed to find me. I needed to understand who I was. And another gift from here is that I get to coach other women to be free. I don't want another woman to hit rock bottom and think about suicide and whether your life is worth it. So if I can stop you before you get there that's the biggest gift I can ever give someone. And I promised myself, I told God, if you allow me a second chance, I will make you really, really proud. And I pray that I'm making God proud. Um, But the gift is freedom. I'm so free. I don't, I'm not living my life to please anybody. I think about my career and how, yes, I want to do a great job in my uh, eight to five and I do a great job, but I'm not there to please my boss and make sure my boss likes me and make sure that I'm the best employee you have. If my best makes me the best employee, great. But if my best makes me the third employee, that's fine. Um, I'm not here chasing a diet and trying to be skinny. I'm not here straightening my hair. My hair is very natural and I'm fine with that. So I just found different ways to truly be true to me and have this very authentic freedom. And it has been a gift when I tell you I love my life and I live the best life is because I found myself and I'm very true to myself. If I don't want to do something, I'm not doing things out of obligation. I'm not here to please anyone but me. And that's a hard reality for people to hear. People hear it as selfish or mean, but it's like, I've done decades of that people pleasing and it got me where a criminal record. No, thank you. So yeah, freedom has been the gift of this and being able to coach other women.
0: Well, Janine, I really appreciate you coming to my show. And I just want to say one thing that you are beautiful and then you're strong and you're inspirational. And then I'm very happy that we got to meet and speak today. And then I hope our audience feel the same way and then get some courage and get inspiration and move forward. And you are beautiful. You're incredible. You're inspiring. You're strong as well. Thank you so much. Thank you. Hello. I really appreciate it. It was nice to meet you. Absolutely, and thank you for our audience for tuning into our gift from University, and then we will see you next time.